Hey, my friends, welcome to Real Live Talk. I am so pumped that you're here to check out this episode. For this episode, I sat down with Dr. Fount Lee Schultz, or as we affectionately refer to him, Brother Fount. Brother Fount has a bachelor's in religious studies, a master's in Greek and church history, as well as a PhD in the Hebrew language and literature. Brother Fount has served as professor of Bible and theology on four different college campuses, including Elam Bible Institute from 1981 to 2004, which happens to be my alma mater, <laughs> currently the Dean of Academic Affairs since 2007 for Nation to Nation Christian University, and author of several books, including Invitation to Intimacy, The Father's Love series, and uh, t-shirts and overcoats. And here's something that I think is really cool. Brother Fount has been in ministry for more than six decades at this point. Just let that settle in. Six decades. He's poured his life into so many people for so many years. And today, so many of his former students are just around the world, expanding the kingdom of God throughout the earth. It's so awesome. He's been such a gift to the body of Christ. I'm so honored to have this opportunity to chat with Brother Fount. Really want to encourage you to check out his books that are available on Amazon, to uh, check him out on Facebook, his Facebook page, Brother Fount, and you'll find some awesome resources, including his morning meditations that we talk a little bit about in this episode. This episode, I really believe, can really bring true change and transformation into your life. We got into some stuff about uh, identity, about our concept of the Father, not having preconceived notions of God, or when we recognize that we have preconceived notions of God, because the truth is we all do, that we stay sensitive enough to the Lord, even asking simple questions like, God, what have I missed? What am I missing? What are you saying to me through your word? What is it that they've taught me or that I've learned that isn't exactly all there? What is it that you want to do? In other words, staying sensitive before the Lord and allowing the truth of his word to really direct and govern our lives. Um, there's so much value here. I'm excited. If you get anything out of this, I think you're going to get a lot out of it. But if you get anything out of it, if you'd consider subscribing, liking, sharing, leaving a review, all of that will help this channel continue to grow so that we can reach more and more people with transformational conversations like this one. So thanks again for being here. Now let's go ahead and jump into this conversation with Brother Fount. Brother Fount, appreciate you, sir. Thanks for being here. Thanks for doing this with me today. I appreciate the invitation. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Well, I, uh, I was just telling you a second ago that I think the best thing by far for me in doing this podcast has just been like this ability to connect and reconnect with people. I've been able to build some new relationships that it's been really fun, but also reconnecting with a lot of my uh, former uh, e-mate, uh, e e Elam um, uh, classmates and uh, teachers, professors. And you and I, we just narrowly missed each other at Elam. You, uh, I believe your last year was 2004 my first year was 2004, so we were just about three months apart there. <laughs> but uh, but we had an opportunity to uh, meet each other. I'd always heard a lot about you, just kind of being around Elam people and stuff like that. And I, uh, my wife and I had a chance to meet you and your wife, uh, Linda, while while you guys were in Mexico um, for, I think it was a weekend with pa a pastor's event, a pastor's retreat or something like that. And, yes, uh, it was. So... <clears throat> Anyway, it's uh, awesome to reconnect with you, sir, after all these years. How, how are you guys? How's life and how's the family? We're doing very well, growing in the Lord. Awesome. Well, look, that's um, 
That's so awesome. I love, I really love, I, I've been, as I've been preparing for this interview, for this conversation, I've been checking into a little bit more, um, some of the resources that you have available. And I just love your heart before the Lord, you know, your sensitivity that you've maintained before the Lord after all these years of ministry and service. Um, and just that heart, that desire there to continue to grow, continue to learn, and to just continue to press in and develop intimacy with God. Um, I just really appreciate that about you. Well, I can say there's probably two things that are basic to my attitude toward life as a whole. And one is to grow in the Lord. The second one is to have input into younger people. Mm. So this thing goes, goes on. Wow. Uh, I, uh, during my years of uh, being a college professor, I pastored the students who would give themselves to me. I was more than a teacher. I was a pastor. I would take them under my wing, so to speak, and just work with them. Uh, and there's not many, I mean, percentage-wise, uh, who would come to me. Others, you know, they're in the class. They're getting what they want. But those that wanted... I would call it discipleship or coaching mm. or just help to work through issues. That yeah. is what I enjoyed even more than teaching. That's awesome. Well, I wanted to ask you about that actually, because that is something that I definitely noticed even in like your interaction with me leading up to this podcast. And, and I, I know that this uh, recent video project that you did, that's, um, that's, that's out there now where you collaborated with some, some of the younger guys, I, I just had this in my mind. It really seemed like that to me was something that was really important to you um, connecting with the younger generation. How important do you think that is just in general for the body of Christ for like the merging together of the different generations, as far as, pursuing Christ and really uh, the, the pursuit here of making him known and pursuing the kingdom of God here on earth? I think without it, Christianity would die. Wow. That's how important I think it is. Because if it doesn't go to the next generation, it's not going anywhere. And the Lord mm -hmm. has commissioned us to take it to the next generation. We're not just... Wow. We're not just a commission to do stuff in our life. We're commissioned, I think, by the, by the Lord and empowered by his Holy Spirit to help others come even more into God than we have. I really love it when my students go farther than I have gone. Isn't that great? It I is awesome. <laughs> I uh, was just having a, a similar conversation with somebody within the past couple of weeks. I don't remember who it was at this point, but we uh, we were talking about that because I think that so often in in ministry and I think we do it in business. I think we do it even in family, maybe, too. Like, I think we do it all over the place where we can get like insecure <clears throat> about that kind of thing. And it's so unnecessary. Like. Um, I think that there's this tendency, tell me if you, if, if you agree or disagree with me, I guess, but uh, I think that there's this tendency in, in ministry for um, leaders that have gone before to kind of like hold back those that are coming up. And, and I think that a lot of it hinges on insecurity, whether it's that, what you just mentioned, the insecurity of, well, I don't want them to go beyond me. 
or if it's I don't want them to like destroy what I've built. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that there's this hesitancy a lot of times for um, there not to really be as much freedom as as there could be. And I think a lot of it, you know, comes down to pride, insecurity, things like that. But uh, it just moves my heart so much when I see somebody who's just willing to to release and to send and to partner and you know, to have like that sort of like crossing those generational lines. And, uh, you know, I just I just uh, think that it's so important, like you said, but I do think that it's something that is lacking a lot of times. Yeah, I, I could give several examples of this uh, where my students have really gone far beyond. Mm. Uh, if you don't mind me taking some time to take a talk Please. a little bit about a story. Uh, I had a student named Brick Cliff in 1981, and uh, my heart from 1957, when the Lord came to me and called me to be a teacher, uh, where I was, I just assumed I was called to be a missionary uh, because, you know, that's just where I was at the time, but I knew I was called. Anyway, uh, I came back to get an education my purpose was to prepare to go uh, to mission field. I was never able to go because before I finished my education, I received a call to go teach at a Bible uh, at a college. And so I went on, finished my education, after, uh, et cetera, and uh, master's degree, and then the PhD. Mm -hmm. And basically I have never applied. Now this comes as a surprise to many people. I have never applied for a position at a school. They call really? me, would you come? <laughs> Only one of them after I got there, he said, well, for our records, we really need uh, an application. Would you make an application? But I was already hired in teaching before I did that. I've never <laughs> applied for a well, position. So my life has been totally led by the spirit of God. But in my heart, from the beginning was missions. And I watched my students go out and begin to have an impact in, uh, in Africa, in Mexico, uh, Guatemala, uh, Colombia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just uh, one of them, one of my former students had a tremendous impact in China uh, and still has an impact in China. But Brick Cliff, uh, did 20 years of, uh, of mission work in, uh, he started out in the Congo and because of the problems he had to come out. So he went to Mexico for a while when he could get back, he went to Congo and he was pushed out of there again. But during that time, he got a vision for what is now nation to nation, uh, nation two, and that's the number two. Uh, nation right. to nation Christian University. So he began to record teachings and he makes them available free to third world pastors. I mean, free. Yeah, it's awesome. uh, which means there's not a lot of income other than people who contribute to it. Anyway, yeah, uh, I always want I loved what he was doing. I saw it, but I could never connect. Uh, to be in the right place at the right time to record for his school, which I really wanted to do. And I hope I'm not taking too much time with this story. 
But no, it's an good. important story that just illustrates how uh, my life has gone. Uh, I had enough frequent flyer miles to, he was in Harlingen, Texas at that time, uh, to fly down and stay for a week at his expense, <laughs> but I fly myself down there uh, to record. And so I called him on the phone. He agreed. We set up the date. I went down there and uh, I'm in front of the camera eight hours a day, every day for five days of the week. Uh, recording Old Testament survey, recording, uh, I don't remember which ones I did, and I've done some since. But about the middle of the week, he took me out to lunch. And uh, he said, Brother Fount, would you be willing to be the academic dean of this school? And uh, I said, Brick, you know me better than that. I have zero ability as an administrator. And I use this phrase, I can't even illustrate, I can't even administrate my way out of a paper bag. Uh, my industry, I mean, I'm, they're almost non-existent. I can administrate a teaching, but not stuff. Anyway, he said, oh, we have an administrator. We don't need all I want. This is cute. I love it. All I want is your name, because you're known, and your credentials, because they're genuine commission, uh, uh, whatever, uh, genuine. Yeah. Because my PhD is from the University of Texas at Austin in linguistics. It's not in theology. Uh, I'm a linguist, really. So uh, I said, sure, you can have my name. I mean, my credentials don't mean anything to me, so just take it and go with it. So I became the academic dean of that school. That's awesome. Now, he has allowed me to have input into the curriculum, and I've taught several classes. And my point for doing that is my heart for missions is being fulfilled partly by Brick Cliff. We are now in many uh, of the uh, African nations just recently went into yeah. the French speaking nations of Western Africa. And uh, I mean, these, we are raising up churches and changing the face of Christianity in the areas where we are. Uh, and I just look at that and I say, wow, I didn't get to be a missionary, but I'm doing it. <laughs> so that'll just give you an idea of uh, what I mean when I say I love raising up the next generation. Yeah. I mean, Brick is one of them. Well, that's awesome. I mean, uh, so I, actually a little while back, I had Tim and Sarah Outlaw um, oh, did on you? the show. Yeah. So I got a chance to talk to them and hear a little bit about the inner workings of, of Nation to Nation and stuff like I that. Also I also missed Sarah by three months. Right. She came yeah. to Elam. Yep. Uh, in the fall when I left in the spring. And so yep. I missed her. I told her, I said, well, I heard you were coming. So I left. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sarah. Well, at least that, I, as long as it wasn't because of me. That's, that's yeah, all that no, matters. Right. So, yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So that's well. On that, I think that that's really cool how God is like, you know, God cares about those desires that we have inside of us. And, and sometimes he'll lead us in a certain direction. And we might think that we 
we're not fulfilling everything or that we're not going to have an opportunity to do all the things that we really want to do. But God is so good at orchestrating our lives and connecting us with the right people and and shifting our seasons in such a way that he's able to bring those things out. And so you said, like, there's part of you that's, you know, this this call to missions that's being fulfilled in this way that probably what well, you, you just said it, it wasn't the way that you thought in your mind that it was going to be. But God is so good at uh, just directing our lives in that way where he's able to um, to get us to those places that he's called us to and those things that he's put inside of us. If we'll just learn to trust him and and really <clears throat> just follow his leading and not trying to figure it out and make it happen all on our own. Like he's so good at just doing the at doing that and leading us and, uh, yeah. you know, bringing that full expression of himself out of our lives through us. This whole idea that we see in the life of Jesus, John chapter 5, after he healed the paralytic uh, and the Pharisees challenged him. Yeah. He said, uh, son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees father doing. Father do, yeah. And that is a theme that I think we need to get a hold of. I cannot do anything except what father is doing in me, through me, for me, and for others. Uh, and I did not realize the impact of that. I didn't even realize that's what I was doing from the very beginning. Yeah. I allowed him to give me the next job. Now, I didn't see it that way at the time, but as I look back, uh, I can see very clearly in 1957 when the Lord came to me, and I've used the phrase liquid love, I was in the barracks, uh, Air Force barracks in, in uh, Japan. Yeah. Liquid love filled the room where I was. No one else mm. was there. It was so real. I literally lifted up my arms to embrace him whom my soul loves. And that was so real. And at that time, as I look back, there was a promise now, I didn't have the words at that time, but I see it very clearly. In that event, he promised me that I would have a worldwide effect through what he's leading me into. Yeah. Now, if I had known that, I would have tried to make it happen my own way. Right. <laughs> right. But I love the way he did it. Yeah, he's so much better at it than we are. It's so good. Could, could you actually go into that experience a little bit more? I've actually heard, um, I've heard people talk about about your your story actually about your call to the ministry. It's all the way back in Japan in 1957, but I've never actually um, I've never heard it from from you, and I've never um, heard you know. So maybe just like get yeah, into I... a little bit more detail around that uh, about how God called you that day. That I day. love talking about that. So that, that's good. <laughs> Thank you for that question. Yeah. Uh, it's actually uh, recorded in part in my book on t-shirts and overcoats. Awesome. Uh, which, is which is the newest book, on right? Amazon. Yeah. What's that? Is that is that your newest release? No, it's not the newest. Actually, the okay. first book I wrote, I called it Pilgrimage to Personhood. Uh I wanted to call it T-shirts, but the uh, the company that was going to print it didn't like that title. Okay. So later, I revised, updated a little bit, and changed it to T-shirts and overcoats. But it's in there. Gotcha. Uh, the story. 
I was running away from God, literally. Mm. I don't have time to talk about, or I will not take the time to talk about why uh, abusive uh, fatherhood issues uh, in my early teen years and preteen years, uh, which, and my dad was a church leader, so I just, I was up to the neck with church. I didn't want anything to do with it, so I was running away from God. Uh, backsliding and doing all the stuff, well, not all, but most of the stuff that uh, military guys do when they're away from home, and mommy's not going to find out. Uh, It's weird, but yeah, that's that's where I was at. But I was feeling the pressure deep inside because I had been uh, born again at a pretty young age, uh, which I could spend some time with. Uh, Mm. When I was eight years old, uh, I came to him and committed my life to him, not so I could go to heaven. I wanted to run the race. The sermon that brought me in was uh, from Hebrews uh, chapter 12, running the race and getting rid of the baggage so you can run better. So that that was what called me in. But uh, when I was about 12 years old, 13 all this stuff began to happen because of my dad. And so I rebelled, uh, backslid, whatever you want to call it. Sure. So I'm in Japan, just getting as far away from church as I could. Of course, there were churches there, but I wasn't connected. <laughs> yeah. So I had guard duty one night. Uh, so I was allowed to sleep in the barracks the next morning whenever everyone else go and the barracks were divided into uh, into different little rooms some rooms had four uh, the room i was in had only two and my roommate was uh, very seldom there because every weekend he was gone and he just wasn't seldom i had the room basically to myself so after sleeping in I can remember, literally, uh, when I woke up, I can remember as though it were yesterday. I could see the pattern of the Venetian blinds on the wall as the sun is shining through. And I could hear across the street, there was a swimming pool. And uh, the, the students who were, I mean, the kids who were going to go in for swimming lessons, all of the giggling and laughing and and all of that. I could hear all of that. And I could just tell this is going to be a good day. Uh, And I was smoking uh, two packs a day in that, uh, at that time, smoking cigarettes. Mm. So uh, I lit a cigarette and laid it down uh, in the ashtray and thought, I don't need this right now. I laid back down. And when I laid back down, Liquid love came into the room and filled the room. Now, as I thought back on that, the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 and filled the room. Didn't fill the people, it filled the room. Right. And then the fire came upon them uh, and the wind and so forth. But it filled the room. 
Now, the word baptism means to be plunged into or overwhelmed by. And I was overwhelmed by the love of God. Mm. It was so real. Literally, I lifted up my arms to embrace. I was lying on my back on the bunk. And as I lifted up my arms to embrace him, uh, my hands came together and I thought, man, I hope no one looks in. They'll think I'm weird. (laughs) Who are you (laughs) hugging? But I didn't care. It was very real. Now, I never smoked another cigarette. It was gone immediately. Hmm. And the very next Sunday, there there was a group of Christians who met together off base uh, for a church, and the men took turns preaching. So uh, I started, I joined that group, started going to church, and after a very short time, uh, it was my turn to share the word. So I preached my first seven, my first sermon in 1957. And I can remember the sermon. Uh, Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of the sin law and of death. Sin and and death. I talked about uh, all of that. And, and the law of sin and death pulls you down like gravity. And, and the law of the life in Christ Jesus is like uh, overcoming gravity with uh, submitting to mm. uh, aerodynamic laws. And the yep. aerodynamic laws in the spirit, uh, the spirit will lift you up and the enemy will bring you down. I did, man, I preached it. Now, I knew nothing. Uh, the church I was raised in never mentioned the Holy Spirit, except it wrote the Bible and went back to heaven. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So I did not know what this was. I just thought I was a good preacher. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, that was my first sermon. And from that time forward, I knew God had something for me and had to, I began to, uh, I bought a motorcycle in uh, Japan and began to run all over Japan. And I've been places a lot of airmen have never been, or military men, uh, back in the hills and so forth. I learned enough the language where I could get by. Anyway, uh, that changed my life. Hmm. And that experience is still with me. I, when I start talking about it, I'm there again. I'm there. Awesome. And when I share it, the, the power of testimony, yes. the, the Duke, the power of testimony is it invites other people to enter into the same experience you've had. So uh, I just challenge those who are listening, speak up. Tell people what God has done for you. Give examples. He did this, and I received that, and glory to God, things are different. And that's an invitation which some people yes. will respond to, and others people will fight. Yeah. And uh, I've had more than one experience of being basically kicked out of a church because even even though I was in a leadership position, kicked out of a church because uh, I was following the Spirit and they didn't mm-hmm. see it. That's a long right. story, which yeah. we don't need to go into. So there, yeah. there's the story. Well, I love that, and I love um, I love what you're saying about about testimony. You know, and I I think that <clears throat> we have those experiences with God 
that really mark our lives, you know, that really become, uh, call them defining moments or, you know, those experiences that we have with God that we can look back on and that we recognize like something changed, something, something shifted in me in this moment. And, and I think that it just developing that history with God, you know, um, I, I love, I love the reality. And I, I think about this a lot because, you know, the reality that Christ lives in us. And so, you know, I believe that there's a, a level of his presence that we, that we're always in because we carry him with us because he's always there. Um, you know, but it's one thing we, I, I think that very often we don't live conscious. We don't live aware of the fact that he's so close. Right. But right. then also that there's these moments where he just turns up the pressure and he just reveals himself to us in a new way, in a powerful way where, you know, his presence just, be just becomes overwhelming or he speaks mm -hmm. to us in a way or, you know, different experiences, uh, that, that, that we have as we walk through our life with Christ, but how he just reveals himself and impacts our lives in a way that, uh, you know, again, I, I love what you said there about, about a testimony. Um, and it, and it's, there's a difference between, I think that there's a reality where we can get stuck on the testimonies of the past, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and not, and not <clears throat> allow that to translate into something new. But I love the way that you're talking about it, where it's, it's not just something that happened and it was over but it's actually an invitation into walking with Jesus in this way that's real because he was revealed to you uh, in a different way then. But it also, you know, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So it, it, it prophesies to us. It, it prophesies about his goodness and, and, it, and it shows us what's possible, not just, for, not just for me because I had an experience, but for others as well. And I just... Um, uh, I, I told you, I've, I've heard, I've heard other people talk about, about that story. I remember that phrase specifically of, of liquid love. And, uh, you know, so even that, even on that level, it's, uh, what God did with you to you, <laughs> whatever happened that day in Japan, in those are in those, uh, air force barracks. Um, it's, uh, it's made its way around the world, you know, and God has, uh, even impacted the lives of others through that. And I think that that's the key is looking at what God has done both in our lives and in the lives of others, even in scripture, like in what God did in the lives of people in scripture and recognizing, okay, this is whatever this is, whatever this experience was, it wasn't just an experience and it's over, but it actually reveals your nature to me so that it becomes something that I can pursue. Not that I'm pursuing the experience itself, but I'm pursuing you because I know right. that this is what you've made available to me. Right. Uh, one, one problem of uh, testimony and I'll just give an example of this. And this probably comes from roughly, mm, that would be 1971 or two, two, three, right in that early 70s. Uh, I had been filled with the spirit by this time. Actually, I was filled in the spirit in Japan. I just didn't know that was what it was, but I had wow. adopted it and accepted it. Uh, roughly 1970-71. But uh, I prayed for a, a fellow professor. He was in the music department. He was a good friend of mine. And uh, I prayed for him to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he, after a tour, he says, wow, that was like uh, 
hot lead was poured into my head and went all the way down to my feet. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's different from liquid love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds a little but worse. He shared that testimony. And then later I was praying for someone to receive it. And they said, I didn't feel any hot lead. <laughs> Come on. And I ha had to say, look, it's not about hot lead and yeah. it's not about liquid love. It's yeah. about receiving him. It's yes. him in whatever way he wants to come. So there's a danger in testimony. However, testimony, uh, and I want to change the word to report, and I have a reason for that. Uh, my emphasis, my focus from the very beginning just because of my nature and my makeup, the way God put me together, I love words. I love studying the meanings, deeper, deeper meanings. Uh, I wrote my master's thesis on the uh, relationship between Logos word and Rhema word. That was my master's uh -huh. thesis. And uh, I almost it's wish I could one. rewrite it because it was, it, it, Today, it looks like a work of a kindergartner to me. <laughs> uh, but it was accepted, so it must have something about it. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but I discovered that the word rhema, uh, I mean, the way most people, but logos, rhema, logos is the Bible, you know, all that, that is nonsense. I mean, it has its place. Mm -hmm. But the relationship... There are some areas where both Logos and Rhema, either one could be used depending on what the author is trying to say. If he's talking about the content and the meaning, he'll use Logos. Mm -hmm. But if he's talking about its effect, he will use the word Rhema. Wow. And uh, for example, in, uh, in Mark's story of the woman with the issue of blood, it says she heard a report, or she heard reports, plural, and decided if she would touch the hem of his garment, she would be healed. The word rhema, she heard a testimony. Yeah. He healed me. She heard another testimony, report. He healed me. I had this. I don't have it anymore. And that testimony stirred faith within her. Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing a rhema, a report right. about what Christ has done for you. Right. That's not the way most people read that text. Yeah. But faith comes by hearing a report where someone said, Jesus did this for me. So uh, whenever we make a testimony, we need to point to him rather than this happened to me. It needs to be all about him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. Um, yeah, I think that we can for sure get caught up on. Uh, you know, it's funny because, you know, I can even look back on my life and some of the most profound um, experiences that I've had with God at the time, they did not feel great. Um like where some of the ways where God revealed him has revealed himself to me. Um, there's been times where I'm not sure if I'm even going to explain this properly or not. I, maybe I shouldn't have, I probably just dug a ditch for myself, but, <laughs> but let's see what happens. Um, like 
I remember having some experiences with God where in the moment God was going after something in me that I was holding back from him. And in a very loving way, but also in the way that a father can be loving and stern at the same time, where God let me know very, very clearly that I was holding something back from him, an area of my life, an area of my heart that he wanted. And I remember, I remember, uh, you know, one time specifically where it, it scared me so much that I, I like I hid from God for about a week and hid from God. Like I, I was in ministry. I was having, you know, times of prayer corporately. I was doing all these things. I was leading worship. I was doing all these things back then. I was leading worship like every single day. And uh, so I was doing all these things. But in my heart, there was like this thing where I was just like, I'm not letting you in. I'm not letting you in, God. But through that process, he was so kind and he was so faithful. And he took me to a place in the scriptures that so illustrated to me, you know, what I was going through and the problem that I was having. He, he, he brought me to a, a passage about David and um, in a second Samuel chapter seven. And he was just showing me um, my heart and showing me some things about myself. And anyway, I came out of that experience with a, such a deeper love and affection for God and and uh, more so understanding his love and affection for me. But it started off in this place where it was like it it felt it was tough, like it felt like like, no, but it was just it was because of of me not wanting to let go of something, me not wanting to surrender to him and give him control. And so even with that, like, I think that like that's not something that somebody would look at and say, oh, I want that experience um, because it, it wasn't, you know, one of those, it wasn't liquid love, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was, it, it, it really, it really was the love of God showing me how much he loves me, yeah. but it was a difficult experience at the time for, for me because of where my mindset was, but it's still one of the, I, I cherish that experience, that entire week where God was just kind of chipping away at, at, at my heart on that issue. I cherish that probably more than any other experience that I've had because um, just looking looking back on it and seeing how kind and how faithful he was in that, it just brought me to a totally different understanding of of his nature, you know? Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. Just getting back to the concept of rhema, uh, the rhema of God was leading you during that week, that difficult week. It was the rhema of God. Mm. And the scripture that came to my mind as you were talking is in Hebrews chapter one, uh, where it says that, uh, let's see. <laughs> I used to be able to quote all this stuff, but I have an excuse now. I'm 85 years old. I, I will be in a couple of weeks. I'll be 85 years old. So I have permission to forget. Uh, That's so awesome. But Hebrews chapter one, just give me a moment. And I'm turning to it because I, I don't want to misspeak something. Uh, it says in uh, verse two, in these last days, he has spoken to us by son whom he appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world mm. and he is the radiance of the glory and the exact representation of his nature upholding the universe that word upholding 
does not mean carrying the globe the way Atlas on his shoulders right. has the globe. It's right. not that, it's the idea of bearing it forth toward its intended destiny. Mm. Well, wow. holding, uh, upholding or bearing forth to its intended destinies all things by the rhema of power. Wow. And wow. If, if you get a hold of this, the yeah. rhema of power is behind what is happening in history. The rhema of power, there are big shifts in history because yeah. God speaks a word. For example, Jeremiah, here I am teaching. Come on. <laughs> just, no, I'm, I'm so excited am. to learn. Uh, Let's do it. Yeah, Jeremiah makes his statement, Babylon is fallen. And it's a statement of a fact. Right. If there had been a political analyst in Babylon in that day, he would have said Babylon is strong. Mm -hmm. I don't even see a crack wow. in the foundation. Wow. It was the rhema of God that cracked the foundation of Babylon. And very shortly after that word was declared, Babylon fell. Mm -hmm. Now, based on that, I think I can confidently say it's a rhema of God that destroyed the Roman rule. It's the rhema of God that destroyed Assyria. It's the rhema of God that destroyed this, that, and the other. It is the rhema of God is presently moving history towards God's intended destiny, not the destiny of those who think they're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, it was the rhema of God working in you Yes. That week. But when I speak this way, it's bigger than what he's doing for me. It's bigger than what he's doing for you. It's bigger than what he's doing through me. Even with the big thing that uh, is happening through Brick Cuff and, and, uh, and what, even bigger right. than that. It's universal. The whole universe is being brought into its full manifestation the way God intended for it to work. And wow. it's the rhema of God that is doing that. Wow. And it's the rhema of God that moved me from one position to another, from one uh, teaching position to another. It's the rhema of God uh, that brought me to this point to be on this broadcast today. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Well, I'm man that's such a good word and i'm i'm so uh, again i'm so pumped i'm so excited that you're here and i'm i'm uh i'm excited i was excited about this just for the opportunity to like sit here and learn um you've been so is my count right 64 years in ministry uh i'm not real good at arithmetic <laughs> well, well 1957 until right? today whatever that is uh, I might just say in passing, I almost did not get into graduate school because you take this, they call it an ACT or something, yeah. uh, this test. I ranked so low in the numbers. I ranked very high in the word, uh, okay. in the verbal. Yeah. High enough that they say, we'll take a chance on you. Awesome. 
And uh, whenever I get into the verbal things, I mean, I aced every class I took that uh, was dealing with verbal stuff, uh, stuff that dealt with numbers, uh, even in history. I don't remember dates. I don't remember all of that stuff. I mean, I memorized it for a test and it's gone the next day. Yeah. Numbers are just not my thing. Yeah. So I don't know how many years it was. Yeah, I think I think if I'm doing it right, I believe it. Well, for sure, more than for sure, it's more than sixty. Um, so that's awesome. You you know, I, I I'm not a fan of numbers either. But you mentioned you mentioned earlier. I was thinking about it. You mentioned earlier about the administration about being yeah. able to be the administrator. So um, it was funny because my wife and I, while we were serving in Mexico, um, we were working in uh, in this uh, in a house of prayer, and. One of the things that we basically got called on to do was to uh, start to administrate this uh, music school, a music institute. And so we started to kind of we were revamping it and getting it up and running and uh, administrating it. And my wife is gifted in that area, uh, but I am not. And so then my and so but I was like, OK, we're good because my wife can handle the stuff that she's good at. And then we'll go from there. And then um, and then my wife got really, really pregnant. And then I was like kind of running stuff for a while <laughs> on my own. <laughs> Just a question. How can you be partly pregnant? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, she got like advanced in her pregnancy. OK. And, uh, yeah. She wasn't ever partially pregnant. But uh, but as soon as she started getting like more more toward closer to the end, it was. um yeah, there was a there was like a few months there where I was uh, I had to put on that administration hat and I was just like so lost. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I've got a similar story, but this brings up an issue, uh, Duke. We must come to the point where we are comfortable with the way God made us with our weaknesses love it. as well as our strengths. Yeah, uh, there was a time when I felt inferior because I couldn't do the administrate thing. I couldn't do the, the kind of leadership. I can remember when I was in uh, undergraduate graduate work right in that particular time, uh, some of my fellow students, they would just begin to go and all the other students would come behind them. That leadership gift impresses me. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have it. <laughs> People don't follow me like that. I, I went to my major profession and I was complaining. Uh, I said, I don't understand what's missing here, but I just can't seem to lead. And he said these words to me. He said, Fount, you are a leader of a different kind. Mm. Now, history has borne that out. If you want to gather a crowd, don't call on me to do it. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. But if you will gather the crowd, turn me loose on them, and I can bring the word. Uh, because that's my place. And yeah. finally, I became uh, comfortable with that. Uh, another quick story, just to illustrate that. Uh, I was in leadership in this church that had a baptism once a month uh, at the river. Uh, we had uh, dinner on the ground at the river after church. 
and then baptisms. And of course, that, that was in the mid-70s. And uh, uh, in the park by the river, there's always people. People will get saved and baptized uh, while we're baptizing those who had come to be baptized. So we're having one of those, and we're through with the dinner. And the pastor said to me, uh, gather all the people and get them down by the river. It's time for the baptism. And so he went to change, and uh, I tried to get people's attention. Everybody, let's get down to the river. Uh, <laughs> pastor says it's time, and people just look at me and go on doing what they're doing. And finally, I got a little, uh, there was a, a box, like a crate of some sort that was there. And I got up on the crate and I said, it's time to go down to the river. And one guy got behind me and said, uh, I'm with you. It's the one fellow in the whole church that I would not want to be known as his leader. <laughs> and as I'm up there on the, the thing, the pastor has finished changing and he's simply walking toward the river and everybody turned and followed him. Well, so he <laughs> was a God ordained leader with the gift of leadership, wherever he's going, people are going to follow him, which it could be a problem if he leads okay. in the wrong direction. And right. that's one problem with the position of leadership, right? Just as the problem in teacher in teaching, if I teach it wrong, there's some people who are going to follow me just because they honor me. Mm. And I always discourage that. Wow. You know, I love the the thing that he said to you, though, which was you're a leader of a different kind. Right. It's a different, yeah. it's a different, different type of leadership. Um, there's a principle that I that I really love from a book um, called uh, The Spirit of Leadership by uh, Dr. Miles Monroe. And the principle is that everybody that that we're all um, we're all created with a spirit of leadership. Right. And so we're not all we're not all those like type A, you know, strong, like gather the crowd type people. Um, and we can't all be like that, you know, because we have we have different strengths. I mean, even in the same way that God gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, like right. e e even in that, you know, he's created us differently. And I really I think that if we would stop uh, trying to be something that we're not, you know, to your point, I think that if we were to stop trying to be something that we're not and trying to be like somebody else and trying to be like this minister, this ministry that we respect and trying to, you know, live out our our vision or our purpose through somebody else, um, then I think that we could experience just a lot more a lot more freedom, a lot more joy, a lot more growth, a lot less burnout and things like that. When Absolutely. like, again, it all comes back to the same thing. Like you're talking about, you know, the rhema of God leading us and guiding us through life and being led by the spirit through life and just trusting him and only doing what we see the father do and living our living our life in this way where we're really just open to his leading and and being comfortable like with with who he made us to be. And being OK with that and leaning into our strengths and recognizing that when there's weaknesses you know, we can get better at the things that we're not that we're not good at. We can also delegate the things that we're not good at. We can also, you know, partner with people that are good at those things. You know, it doesn't have to be like we don't have to fit into a certain kind of box in order to be successful as leaders. You know, I love what you're saying there. Right. Yeah. Um, so. All right. How maybe 
maybe I shouldn't ask you this question because I want to get you in trouble. Um, you so, I'm, I keep going back, but I just want to I just want to cover the bases here. So Japan, 1957, Air Force barracks. Um, you have this incredible experience with God. He calls you. You start preaching right away. Um, and then, uh, you, you know, you come back and then basically, um, you get into your academic studies and things like that. At what point, uh, did you, um, meet your wife? Okay. Uh, when I came back, uh, I had one year of uh, college before I went to the air force. I was an art major at the University of New Mexico. My wife and I both born and raised in New Mexico. Okay. I was an art major because I felt so inferior academically. I did not, uh, I'll just say it this way. I was ranked in the top 15 of my graduation class in high school. There were 19 students. <laughs> uh, and I w had zero confidence in myself academically, mm. but I went to yeah. college to hide, literally. I was afraid I would never be successful in the real world. Now, for a guy who's not academically inclined to hide in college doesn't make sense. Yeah, hiding in plain sight. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm going to tie this to Rama again. Uh-huh. The rhema of God is working whether you are aware of it or not. Yeah. Some people think if I'm not aware of it, it's not. We need to trust that he somehow is leading us. Even when we make what we think are mistakes, that may well be the move God intended. It may not. I know. But after one year of college, uh, I began to see I really I'm not doing well. Well, I made relatively good, uh, relatively good grades in spite of the fact that I literally was afraid of the library. Hmm. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was afraid of books at that time. Now it's wow. weird, but I was. And uh, so I joined the Air Force at that time. When I got back from the Air Force, I knew I was, uh, I had a vision of an education to do missions. Okay. So the school I went to, uh, I finished basically almost all of the work of the bachelor, uh, bachelor's degree. And I'm already doing some of the master's degree courses at the same time. And my wife came on the campus just as I am finishing up. Uh, and I met her the summer before uh, I finished my uh, academic work. I was 27 years old and she was 19. Mm. And uh, at first she was that girl over there. You know how that goes. Sure. But about October of that year, I began to notice her in a new way. And I saw this is something I want to spend the rest of my life with. Mm. And so we got married in January. <laughs> now I wow. don't recommend that, but God <laughs> knew what he was doing. That's awesome. What a treasure. Uh, with my poor self image at that time, if I had known what a treasure she was, I probably would have run away from her thinking wow. I didn't deserve that. Wow. But anyway, 
long story wow. short, that's how I met her. Uh, she came on campus and uh, she's, I am a quiet person unless I am in front of people who want to learn something. Mm-hmm. I'm very quiet, silent. If there's a big conversation going on, I'm the guy on the corner listening and analyzing what everyone is saying. Uh, I generally, sometimes yeah. I do, but generally I don't. But she is in the middle of everything. And uh, she's not flirting around with the guys like the other girls were. Uh-huh. She's in the kitchen. Uh, whenever we get together for a, a, a fellowship thing, she's in the kitchen working. Mm. And uh, she's doing the cleanup. I mean, she's always involved with people and doing stuff. And I'm watching and analyzing, which is what I do. Yeah. And somehow, without realizing it, I knew that's what I need in my life because that's where my weakness is. Now, mm-hmm. I did not realize that until later. Right. But uh, God's rhema pushed me into this situation <laughs> where I got married to this girl and she turned out to be exactly what I needed. That's awesome. So cool. Um, so how many years of marriage now? Not to 57. bring up the math again, but I figured 57. maybe. 57. 57 years. Wow. So, Brother Fount. I'm gonna I'm gonna really throw you under the bus now. Um, what's the what's what's the secret? What's the secret? And I know that I, I I say that I know that there's not just a secret, but um, but what would you say? I mean, I've been married for I've been married for 13 years now with my lovely wife Denise, and um, it's awesome. It's been it's it's been uh, it's it's been amazing. But uh, 57 years is um, there's so much. There's, there's so much wisdom there. Um, and uh, just what would you say is something like maybe practical um, that you've learned throughout all these years of marriage that's contributed to longevity in marriage um, and, uh, you know, ha- being married for all these years and being happily married all these years? Well, I can say that we were not happily married for, uh, for the first few years. Okay. We were married and committed. Okay. But there were conflicts okay. because we have a doer and a don't do anything guy. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I did ten- not recognize the value of what I had. So I considered myself the poor guy who can't do anything. Anyway, uh, wow. there, there were conflicts. And I, I think I would say... Um, Acknowledge that you're wrong quickly Mm. because you will be wrong. I know you think you're always right and she's always wrong or vice versa. Acknowledge that you're wrong quickly. Number two, repent. Ask for forgiveness. Now, he or she may or may not receive that, but you do it. That keeps you clear. Okay. Uh, I used to tell you, I can remember my, uh, my years at Elam. Uh, Elam was called, I don't know if you ever heard this while you were there, but it was called the Elam Bridal Institute. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Because the girls came there to find a guy who loved God, etc., etc. And the guys, of course, uh, 
they want yeah. to show off and win the girl and prove yeah. that they're a better guy than the other guy, whatever all that is. And I used to say to the students, marriage is a trap. <laughs> <laughs> whenever, and I speaking to the girls, I would say, whenever a guy tells you, I love you, what he really means is, I love myself, and I love the way I feel when you pay attention to me. Oh, and I man. said, guys, listen. Wow. When a girl says, I love you, she means, I love the way I feel when you tell me you love me. Wow. In other words, it's self-love from the very beginning. And the uh, God's purpose in marriage is to work out of you that stuff. <laughs> wow. That's the purpose of marriage. She wow. will expose your stuff and yeah. you will expose her stuff. And if you will deal with the stuff instead of dealing with her, it will work. Wow. I can remember one time and this would be mid to late 70s, probably late 70s. Uh, we were in one of our uh, intimate moments. <laughs> you know, we were communicating. Uh, basically, she was saying to me, I don't feel like you love me. And I was saying, I love you. Well, I don't feel it. Yeah. Now, what do you do? What do you do? And... Uh, we had several kids at that time. I don't remember exactly uh, how many. We ultimately had six, but at that time we may have only had five. But the oldest one was old enough to take care of the others. So we went for a drive, and we're driving and, and fighting. And it's all, I love you. Well, I don't feel it. Well, I love you anyway. Well, I don't feel it. And suddenly I realized something, Duke. God, and I said this to my wife, I said, God loves the whole world. The whole world does not feel loved by God. Mm -hmm. If God's omnipotent love is not able to make you feel loved, who am I as a human being? I cannot make you feel love. And God said, I know you don't feel it. Take my word for it. Mm. And I said, Linda, you will just have to take my word for it. I love you. Now that settled it for that moment. But in that context, I also said to her, we are fighting with one another when yeah. we should be fighting against what is coming between us. Come on. There is something between us that is our enemy that wants us to fight one another. Let's join together and fight the enemy instead of fighting one another. So that was uh, the late 90s, probably. And things began to improve from that time. Today, Linda and I are closer together than we have ever been. Wow. I mean, it gets better and it gets better and it gets better. 
That's so good. That's so cool. That, there is so much wisdom in that. I, I love um, what you said there about recognizing that, you know, even as the Bible says, our, our fight is not against flesh and blood. So my right. battle is definitely not against my spouse. You know, if there's something coming between us, if there's a problem, like let's recognize that there's uh, there may be some there, we may be under we may be under attack. You know, we may be under spiritual attack and we can deal with it that way together rather than like coming at each other, biting each other's heads off, fighting. You know, I think we spend too much time, man, like just vying for position and trying to be right and all these different things. There was so much wisdom in what you said about um, about when you were talking about the the self-love in marriage and how as husband and wife, when we when we come together, we'll begin to sort of expose those things like like those those things that are in me, those insecurities, those pride issues, those things that are in me, um, self-image issues like those things will will begin to come to the surface. And but I think what happens when we normal when that begins to happen is we'll we'll think that it's the other person attacking us and we'll blame the other person. Right. So that that's so good. If we could take that, like if young young couples and older couples too, but I mean if we could take that into a marriage where when we recognize that those conflicts begin to happen, there's sort of like a natural there, there's a natural process of that. And it doesn't mean that, oh well, my spouse is against me. It doesn't mean that where you know we have these conflicts that we just can't resolve and we have to move toward divorce like if if we would learn to fight together as opposed to fighting against each other um then you know like you like you said i, I think that um that longevity would be you know longevity in marriage would be so much um more common you know right and uh just an illustration of the principle here the outworking the practical side of it uh, several years later, uh, my nature, she is, she has many words. <laughs> she always has more words than I have. I just have a few words and I'm usually not able to get those words out because she doesn't take a breath between her words. Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. Uh, and when we're in this conflict, I am at a very big disadvantage because I will not interrupt and she will not stop. Okay. Now I know none of you guys out there can identify with this, but uh, actually it may be you who's doing all the talking and she is the one who is suffering, but the principle no, it's, is it's probably closer to, to your situation. Probably yeah. so, because women have words. <laughs> they were created with words in their mouth. Yeah, for sure. I think even before they're born, they're already talking. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I learned this. Uh, early on, whenever this is going on, and I just get frustrated, uh, I would go out and slam the door so she would understand that I don't yes. like what's going on. The slamming of the door is a word from me. It's good. Okay, but it's not a good yeah. word. Right. It's not a receiving word. Yeah. It's not a loving word, but it is a word, the slam of the door. And uh, I began to learn when I go out, don't slam the door. And I would write, write out what I want to say, which includes repentance on my part, 
and, and so forth, whatever needs to be said. And I would come back and hinder the what I have said. So my words are there. It's up to her to read them. Uh-huh. I can't say them because she will interrupt and go on. So there it is. And that actually began to totally change the dynamics of what happened between us. Hmm. She knew when I went out of the room, it's because I wanted to process. She knows I process very slowly. She processes so quickly that she even interrupts herself. <laughs> she will stop in the middle of a sentence and jump two sentences forward and talking about what she did yeah. process so quickly. Uh, so she would read what I have and then she would respond verbally to what I've said. And that totally changed the dynamic of our relationship. Wow. And we've come to the point now where I don't have to write it out. <laughs> Believe it or not, she actually listens to me now. <laughs> Look at Jesus. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's the rhema word of God that has brought us to this point. Come on. That's so good. Well, I appreciate you, you know, sharing that and just, you know, sharing some of those experiences. I, I wanted to ask you too, because something that you mentioned a couple times um, that I've been thinking about, you mentioned your your self-image, how back in the day at the beginning of your marriage, the beginning of your walk with the Lord, and of course, well, yeah, the beginning of your, of your ministry, and then of course before that, you know, growing up, sort of having um, this sort of skewed image of yourself and not recognizing, you know, your, your value, um, and your worth. Um, how would you say if you can, you know, maybe remember, um, something or some of the things, like, how would you say that God started to shift that and to turn that around? Okay. That that's a good, that's a good question. And this is related to the logos concept of word. Hmm. Uh, I began to discover that, if I would take statements from God through scripture and I began to say with my mouth what God says. Come on. And uh, when I first began to learn this, we lived just, uh, say, three quarters of a mile from the campus where I taught and I would walk. And with every step, I'm quoting scriptures. Uh, and this is self-image scriptures that are, I am more than conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am more than conqueror. Uh, I, I can do all things. And I would just quote these scriptures with every step for uh, half a mile, three quarters. I don't remember how far it was. And the quoting of those scriptures with my mouth, I was establishing the truth in my own life by saying it and hearing myself say it, I was establishing it. And mm. it began to happen where I really believed I am okay. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by the Come faith on. of Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. I live in him. He lives in me. And so all the way, and, and this is day after day after day for weeks and months, uh, memorizing these scriptures that have to do with who I am in Christ. And the speaking of that word changed me. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Yeah. 
and you eat the fruit of what you say. So good. So that's the way I dealt with my poor self-image and came to the point where, believe it or not, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Well, that's the... Um... That's really the concept of biblical meditation, right? It's it is. It's keeping the word of God in front of us, thinking about mm -hmm. it, pondering over it. Because the thing is, if we don't, so if we don't meditate on, you, you know, you said, um, I need to hear his words coming out of my mouth or, um, exactly. you know, say, say with my mouth what he says, I think is what you, is the mm -hmm. way you said yeah. it. You know, that's that's so important because. Um, and both like out loud, but also in that internal, you know, that internal dialogue, that internal conversation. I always tell people the most important conversation you'll have today is the one you have with yourself, because I think that that like internal conversation that goes on, it can just tend to be so negative in nature if we don't, if we're not intentional about what we're meditating on, what we're thinking about, what we're pondering over. Um, and yeah, just like taking the word of God. So for anybody that might be dealing with a lie of the enemy, whether again, it's a, it's an attack on your self-worth or on your value. If you don't think that God loves you enough, if you think that your problems are too big for God to handle, if you're in a financial crisis, a health situation, health crisis, you know, whatever it might be, like finding logos, finding words from God, finding scripture, finding what God says, God's heart, the things that uh, yeah, the things that God has spoken, the things that God has declared, taking some of those things, taking some of those promises and meditating, quoting them, learning to memorize them, recite them back to yourself, you know, talk to God about them, engage with God, you know, over these promises that he's given you. Because if not, if, if we don't do that, then the, we're going to be we're going to be thinking about something because our, our brains don't really stop working. So if I'm not meditating on his word, then I'm probably going to be meditating on something negative. Right. And and, you know, whatever I meditate on, whatever I'm constantly thinking over, I'm going to be producing more and more of that in my life. So. Exactly. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and actually, when you think about it in this process of saying with your mouth what he says, the logos becomes a rhema. Whoa. Come on. Yeah. It's good. And that's what changes your life is when the Logos becomes a rhema for you. And it becomes a rhema when it comes out of your mouth. <laughs> that was so good. Uh, I just got really pumped up when you said that. <laughs> well, I'll pump some more. <laughs> Come on, let's do it. What else you got? No, that was so good. Um, oh, it's so good. It's so important. It's so key to to say what he says, you know, um, a, a verse that I love, uh, Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our faith or of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Right. And that word confess confession is to say the same thing. Right. And mm -hmm. so saying the same thing that God has said, um, exactly. becomes, it's so important. That's right. light, like you said, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So what are we, what are we speaking? What are we declaring? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So exactly. if I'm if I'm not declaring the word of God, then it, it should probably tell me that I don't believe it. There's something in your heart that is not what it should be if you're saying words contrary to what God says. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, oh, it's so good. 
appreciate you sharing that. Um, so I, uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about before we ran out of time and all that, I wanted to ask you, I just wanted to bring this up about your, um, the morning meditations. So there's this, um, fairly new, right. Project, um, that you've been working on. Um, could you just tell us about, about those uh, morning meditations that you've been releasing? Some of them are, um, a lot of them are video, um, thoughts and, and some short, like brief videos that you've been releasing on. Well, those videos are, are something that uh, Joe Courtney uh, and his videographer have done. Uh, basically, they recorded me for, I don't know how many hours, and they're just taking it out and making good stuff of it. They're making me look good. But uh, I put a post every morning on Facebook, which is my morning meditation. And I call it morning meditation. And I've done that probably for 10 years. I don't know when I began it. Uh, those are all backlog on Facebook. I don't know if you can access those or not, but they're there. Yeah. I, whatever I'm wrestling with, in the present is going to come across on my uh, Facebook morning meditations. Mm. And uh, actually, I have already too many friends on Facebook, so I recommend that those who are interested in those uh, go to the uh, Brother Fount website, which uh, Onward Ministries website is becoming Brother Fount website. Okay. And uh, it's becoming Brother Founts Meditations. But uh, if you go to that uh, page on Facebook, Brother Fount, uh, and just follow that, you'll have those available. Love it. Um, and then I wanted to go back to something that you, well, okay, let my. I did that thing where I was I was getting getting ahead of my my I was processing too quickly. I got ahead of myself and my thoughts. Uh, one one of your books, so um, the Father's Love, right? Yeah. And there's multiple volumes. Um, right. How, are there three? Three. Three total, right? So, in the first volume, um, I was reading in your book, and I was reading about there's this there's this theme that you talk about. Um, about how our beliefs about Jesus influence how we respond to him. And um, and uh, I wanted to bring that up. It kind of goes along with what we were just talking about a second ago. Um, how important is it in my life as a believer? How important is my concept of God? Okay. As far as the actions that I take and the way that I you know pursue him, the way that I pursue the things that he's called me to do, how important is that in my life as a as a believer, as a son um, of God, my concept of my heavenly father. I actually, in the book, deal with what I call preconceived notions. And I use the image, uh, which if I were a really good artist, I would draw a cartoon picture of this. But you have a cartoon character of a girl uh, with a cartoon balloon above her. And she has a picture of a knight in shining armor. Mm. And the guy standing in front of her looks like a loser. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, that is a preconceived notion. And any parent who has a teenage daughter 
who thinks this loser is They're a all losers, shining right? armor. <laughs> if you, if you try to tell her he is not, a sh he's not shining. He doesn't have an armor. He's a loser. She yeah. will reject you and accept him. Wow. That's how strong those are. Yeah. And many parents have learned that uh, with their own daughters or sons uh, in seeing something that looks so good to the son or the daughter. And it may not be a person. It may be a whatever. You know, sure. if I would do this, then I'll be Mr. Wonderful. Uh, preconceived notion. Mm. So we have to back up behind what I'm doing and what I'm thinking. Now, how does this apply to the Gospel of John, Father's Love, which is three volumes? That is basically the essence of what I'm looking for in the Gospel of John. How does Jesus help these disciples get rid of their preconceived notions? Because every one of them think he's going to drive Rome out to the sea. Right. Every one of them, even to the night, uh, to the day of his crucifixion. Uh, why did Peter pull out his sword? He thought, it's beginning. Come on. Why did Judas betray him? Because he thought he was helping Jesus do what he thought Jesus came to do. Preconceived notion. Yeah. The disciples did not get rid of their preconceived notions until after the resurrection when the Holy Spirit came. So if we do not receive the Holy Spirit, which brings the rhema of what God is presently doing, if we do not stay connected with the Holy Spirit, we are probably moving by some preconceived notion of what God wants to do, and we're trying to do something that he is actually resisting. Mm. Wow. So, like, what would you say for you? Is there anything in your life that's been particularly helpful in terms of maybe just something practical? I know a minute ago, like, we, we did, I, I asked you about you know, sort of how the Lord led you through that process of overcoming some of those issues with, with your own self-image and your idea of your own personal worth and value. So in understanding God's, like this concept that we have of the heaven, of our heavenly father, it's like, I know, I know for me, I, I used to have this just concept in my mind. Like this was my sort of default picture of my heavenly father, that he was always upset with me. That like, even in the early years of my ministry, that no matter what I did, it wasn't really good enough. And right. I just had this con like my my sort of picture of God when I thought about God was like this sort of like angry, like arms crossed or like his back turned to me kind of a thing. I, I lived like that for a long time without realizing it, without knowing how to articulate that. But I realized eventually, you know, that 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 was my concept of my heavenly father. And so when you have that in your mind, when you have a wrong concept of God, it affects everything about you. It affects the way that you pray, the way you minister to people. It affects how, you know, the, the, your posture as you're going after your dreams and the things that God has called you to do. Like it really just affects your posture in every way of life. Um, and so it becomes like, instead of me operating from a place of sonship, I was operating from this place of, I've got to prove myself. And yes. the thing is, like he revealed to me eventually like that I didn't have anything to prove because he already did everything for me. Like he set me up in a place of absolute 
um, a, a position of absolute acceptance in him, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus did for me. And so when that kind of began to shift in my mind and uh, something that just, for example, like for me has been really helpful is like when I'm talking to God or even just when I'm kind of walking throughout my day is and I don't remember to do this as often as I as I would like. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get better at this, but it's been really helpful to like take a moment and just to just sort of like in my mind, like sort of just get a picture or just become conscious and aware of the fact that he's just smiling over me, that his face, like the, you know, the scripture talks about the light of his face, the light of his countenance, that it's toward me, that his face of joy and grace, like that it's just, it's toward me all the time. And that I'm not in this place of disconnect from him because I didn't like do that ministry thing. The, you know, the, it, it didn't turn out the way that I thought it should. And so now God's dis like, God's not disappointed. He has no reason to be disappointed in us. And so, um, I, I guess, I guess what I'm, what I was uh, started to ask and I interrupted myself was, um, uh, has there been anything in your life that's just been sort of like practical that you've focused on that's helped you maybe develop just a, a healthier concept, uh, a biblical concept of, of who God is, who Jesus is, who the Father is? I would think the major thing is a word that we think we understand, but we don't. Humility. Mm which means I continually ask myself the question, this is what they have taught me. This is what I have thought the Bible was saying. I wonder if I have missed it. That's good. I wonder if there's something in this verse that I have missed. Father, would you show me what I've missed? Mm. And I've often said to, to students, I, uh, you never were in my class, so you wouldn't remember any of these, but many students remember this. Uh, I say, this is what I'm teaching today. Don't hold me to it tomorrow. <laughs> because I may learn something tonight that I don't yet know. What I have taught, don't hold me responsible because I am willing to change. See, that's why I say the word humility. Yeah. I do not present myself as one who has the truth. I present my one uh, myself as one who seeks truth. I'm a seeker, not a knower. Wow. I, know, uh, I know on some level. But I've had to change my theology so many times, it, it's frightening. Same. <laughs> Some of the old yeah. <laughs> uh, cassette tapes way back in those days. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad they're no longer available. Glory <laughs> to God. He's good. But be willing to change, even if your denomination kicks you out. Wow. Wow. Listen to God, not the denominational leaders. Mm. Now, there are people who think they've heard from God who have only heard from their flesh. 
So that brings us right back to the place humility. Have I really heard from God or is this just a preconceived notion that would make me feel good if I cut this guy's ear off? Actually, Peter was headed. He wasn't aiming for the ear. (laughs) So the guy dodged. (laughs) The guy did a matrix. Yeah, I am really going to make a name for myself here. And he did. (laughs) Yeah. So humility, have I really heard from God? If you never ask yourself that question, then you need to ask it now. Yeah. That's such a good question when you said, what have I missed? What have I missed? Such a good question. Very seldom I go to the Bible that I don't find something I've missed. Come on. I mean, I don't know who added that because it wasn't there. (laughs) Last time I read this book, that wasn't there. That's the Rama, yeah. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. Um, Imagine if, uh, you know, it seems like that was such a big issue in the the thinking or the the religious thinking of the the Pharisees was uh, they had it all together, right? They thought they knew everything. They, They thought they, you know, they didn't have... There wasn't that that approach of humility to okay, right. well, maybe there's something here. It was just completely and and yeah, when we close ourselves off to learning mm-hmm. and to growth, we just stay. We you know we stay where we are, and I think we get we get more religious than anything else, you know. And uh, yeah, I love that you said that. Just um, such a good question. Have what have what have I missed? Well, and see, just having Jesus for the Lord. Yeah, Jesus said to those Pharisees who thought they knew the Scripture. You search the scriptures because you yes. think that yeah, you, yeah. yeah, it is they that bear witness to me, which means if I read any scripture as though it bears witness to anything else other than not my on not my concept of Jesus. Mm. Most people go to the scripture to prove that their concept of Jesus is true. What if my concept of Jesus is a preconceived notion? Wow. What have I missed? It's pointing to you. And I don't want to find a doctrine about you. I want to find you. Yes. Yeah, I think the best that we can that we can go after is a constantly, you know, deepening understanding of god of who god is of our theology because you know he's so much bigger than we are he's so much he's too big for us to wrap our minds around um and so you know i have i have a friend who who was on a on a podcast a while back and he was like you know whatever concept you have of of god like all of us whatever it is like it's it's in a box you know we've all got god in some kind of a box and the point is that like to maintain this humility before the Lord so he can constantly like again and again, shatter that box, you know, (laughs) and move us to a new place. You know, I don't think we'll ever get to that point of, Oh, I understand God. Now I understand God perfectly. No, but he, but as long as we maintain that, that hard attitude toward him, you know, of, uh, of openness and, and continuous continuing to seek after him. Like you said, you know, I, I don't, I don't consider myself one who, has totally understood the truth, but I do consider myself one who is seeking after the truth. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like you said, the scripture, it always, it always points to Jesus. Yeah. And if it's not pointing us. If we read the book 
and it's not pointing us to Jesus, if it's not pointing us to deeper revelation of Jesus, then we're reading it wrong, right? That's correct. That's correct. Not a doctrine about Jesus, but Jesus himself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So can I ask you this? I want to ask you two just sort of lighthearted questions, and then we'll uh, maybe we'll, we'll start moving toward wrapping this up. Um, okay. would, would you be uh, interested in telling me what your, if you have one, what your favorite book of the Bible is? I've been asked that question many times while I was teaching, and my answer is always the same. Whichever one I'm presently teaching. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I don't know why. I had a feeling. That's really good. That's really good. It's um, alive, so, brother. Yeah. Brother Duke, it's alive. Yeah. Yeah. And our journey is moving into that life. It's so good. That's so good. Yeah, because if I would have answered that question a year ago, I probably would have said the Gospel of John. But if you asked me today, I'd probably say Colossians because I've been spending a lot of time studying Colossians. And uh, so, yeah, I agree. So wh what is it right now? <laughs> <laughs> Gospel of John. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I love the Gospel of John or, or yeah. Book of Revelation. But problem is I can't teach that. Do I, don't you have have, a, I don't have a class full of students who are willing to sit as long as it would take to sort out the issues. Hmm. But I yeah. love the book of Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the book of Genesis. I love the book of Exodus. I love. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start with your least favorite book of the Bible. That might be easier. No, I'm just kidding. But, um,. Uh. <laughs> oh, but uh, there isn't a least favorite i'm assuming no that, i can't i can't go there yeah <laughs> because if i start teaching on that tomorrow it's going to be my favorite exactly exactly yeah um do you have a uh do you have a favorite verse or a life verse or do you have maybe like a top five or any or something like that do you have a is there a particular verse that you there are several verses that have been with me some mm -hmm. uh over a period of time and then there's a new season where another verse will be my quote life verse uh it depends on the season that you're in yeah i think there is one series of verses that have been with me almost from the very beginning. And that's Jeremiah chapter one, the call of Jeremiah. It's mm -hmm. as though God himself has spoken to me. That's Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Yeah. And I, you know, I could go ahead and quote the whole thing in Hebrew, but uh, everyone would be impressed, but it wouldn't communicate much. And he said, I have put my word in your mouth. Mm. And now your job is to go destroy some nations, tear them apart, pull them down, and do some planting and building of nations. Wow. God has called me to destroy strongholds. Uh, some students years ago at Elam, someone asked him who wasn't able to take one of my classes, what's it, everyone talks all over town, oh, Brother Fount, Brother Fount, uh, what's it really like being in Brother Fount's class? 
And the guy's answer was, well, it's like Brother Fount comes in and drops a bomb and goes home. <laughs> Just <laughs> walks in, my goal the is to, and leaves. Yeah. yeah. My goal <laughs> is to destroy what you think is right mm. so that you will reconsider and what is really the truth. Wow. Mm. Where is God really? What really happened at the cross? I know what the theologians say, but what really happened? Yeah. Ultimately, only God can tell us that, and we need to listen. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, man. I need to get rid of some of these preconceived notions, Brother Fount. <laughs> I'll send you <laughs> some hand grenades in the mail. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> send me some bombs. Just drop them. And... Yeah. Um, no, but I really do appreciate you, sir. Thank you so much for your time and just for your heart. And, and even, you know, all this, going back to something that you mentioned at the very beginning of the of the podcast here, just the coming together of 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 generations and uh oh, you know yeah. finding finding brotherhood in this and and uh and working together and, and even just something that's you know so so simple but um but something that's you know a big part of my world and what i do uh is uh is is this podcast and you know creating content and stuff like that and uh you know you um coming here and just uh you know giving up your morning like this and and giving giving your time to, to do this with me. I really appreciate it. It really truly means the world to me. It's and, been my uh, joy, Duke. I'm so excited for the the value that you brought, you know, today. And I'm really excited for people, you know, for anybody that's going to get a chance to, or that listened to this, that was watching live with us. You know we had some folks live here um, or, you know, people that might check it out later on, on the uh, podcast platforms or whatever, but just to, um, you know, maybe hear something, that you said that's going to cause them to think a little bit differently about God, think a little bit differently about the way that he thinks about them, think a little bit differently about, you know, who he is and his nature and how close he is and how real his presence is or, you know, whatever it might be. And um, I'm just really, uh, really excited about the impact. It's the, word, have. the word repent in the Greek language literally means to change your way of thinking. Yeah. Think differently. See things differently. So when I throw the bomb and you get rid of what you thought, you're now thinking differently. You just repented. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Well, sir, so one more. I. Yeah. What was that? I said, so did I just repent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just constant. Just constant. Um, yeah. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand like if we want to walk in and experience the fullness of of his kingdom that he's brought to us not like in the future someday when we get to heaven but now on the earth uh we've got to change our thinking we've got it and, and we've got to be willing to change as you said like constantly adjusting our thinking right. changing our thinking bringing our thinking you know the renewing of the mind the re I, I, you know the the perfect renewed mind would be the mind of christ right so constantly you know just coming more into alignment with his way of thinking and right. uh, that's where everything changes that's where transformation happens so amen 
Yeah. Love it, sir. Well, thank you. Just one more time before we uh, disconnect here. Where can we point some people to check out your books and some other resources that are available? <clears throat> well, all of my books are available on Amazon.com. Yes. Uh, and you just go to books and then found Schultz and they will all be there. Or you can, uh, Courtney, uh, Joe Courtney is working on my website to get it a little bit more uh, user friendly, uh, but you can get some of them through the book, uh, my website, but just go ahead and go to Amazon. That's simplest way. Yeah. And uh, everything will come right up if you just go to Amazon.com and type in Fount Schultz. And let me just say, Schultz is, uh, <laughs> there's no C and there's no Z, as Brother Fount told me. So it's S-H-U-L-T-S. That's correct. Um, S-H-U-L-T-S. All right. So Fount Schultz. And um, yeah, there's a bunch of them. There's several books and I recommend all of them <laughs> check well, them out you, and, uh, and here and here's the thing i was just uh i was just on there a little while ago looking at everything before we got started here uh just to make sure that you know that i could search your name and they would come up properly and uh there's really a really you've got them set at some really affordable prices especially the ebook the kindle versions of the books and so um really really recommend um there's it's like just a, a, a lot of a lot of these writings are just a major shot in the arm for things like we've been talking about, like identity and understanding, you know, your value and understanding like the nature of God and the nature of this kingdom that he's invited us into. And Amen. yeah, so def definitely recommend all of that. So check it out. And uh, thanks again, everybody, for taking the time to be here to watch, listen, however you consumed this podcast today. Really appreciate you. If it did add any value to your life, to your day, if you'd consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, um, all that would be super appreciated. Thank you so much in advance. And uh, Brother Fount, thank you again, sir. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. My joy.